0: Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and as you know we're in the book of Revelation and this evening we're going to look at Revelation chapter 3 starting to read at verse 14. Revelation 3 verse 14. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have required wealth, and I do not need anything. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness And salve to put on your eyes So that you can see Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline So be earnest and repent Here I am I stand at the door and knock If anyone hears my voice And opens the door I will come in and eat with him And he with me To him who overcomes I will give the right To sit with me on my throne Just as I overcame And I sit down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you again that we're able to meet around your word, and we thank you for this, the book of Revelation, and I just pray that you will reveal to us that which you would have us know, that which you would have us understand, so that we can respond to it in these, the days in which we live. Father, we just seek your guidance and help as we come to you. In your name, in the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. So this is the last of the seven churches to be mentioned here at the beginning of John's book of the Revelation. The church at Laodicea. Now, you will have noticed already that what the Lord has to say to these churches applies to the individual situation that they are in. He tells them, what they need to know. And he tells them in a way that they would understand. And he starts each address with a personal description of who he is. And at the end of each address to them, he makes it clear that what we read, then we also must take note of. Now, out of the seven churches, Laodicea is the only church where Christ has nothing good to say about them. The city was founded about 250 years BC by Antiochus of Syria, who named it after his wife. It's situated on a road that led from Syria to Ephesus, and if you enter at the Syrian gate and leave via the Ephesian gate, you would have traveled right through the center of this city of Laodicea. And Laodicea is about 100 miles from Ephesus. It was a wealthy city that was known for having a a well-established banking center. It was proud of its clothing industry that could mass produce outer garments made from satin smooth black wool. And it was famous throughout the world for its production of medicines. It produced ointment uh, that could be applied to the ears and and salve for the eyes. And on its coinage, it even had the names of two of its famous doctors. Now let's just for a moment consider other Bible references uh, that we have here to the seven churches. We know that Paul met a woman in the city of Philippi who was from the city of Thyatira. Thyatira is one of the seven churches but we have no mention of the church in Thyatira, Thyatira other than here in Revelation and the mention that we have in Acts 16 verse 14. This is what we read in Acts 16 and this is when Paul gathered by the river to find a place of prayer. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now, we know that Lydia responded to Paul's message. We know that she was a Jew who was searching, that she came from the city of Thyatira. And then, out of the seven churches mentioned, we know that Paul had connections with the church at Ephesus the first of the churches mentioned here in Revelation. He also had connections with the church at Laodicea, the last of the seven churches mentioned in Revelation. So I want us to go to Paul's letter to the Colossians. And in Colossians 2, verses 1 to 5, listen to what we read. This is what Paul said. And this is to the church of Colossae. He said, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. These are words that would have been heard and read out at the church of Laodicea. Now, if we stay in Colossians and we come to chapter 4, we read this in verse 10 and 11. And here, uh, Paul is speaking about the Jewish workers who he has with him. He says this, My fellow prisoner, Aristochus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him, and if he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort for me. And then in verse 12 through to 18 of that same passage in the letter to the Colossians, Paul speaks about the gentle Gentile workers that he has with him. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings he is also wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you, and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And then Paul goes on, he says, after this letter has been read to you, see that it's also read to the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. So obviously Paul had written the letter to Laodicea. We don't have all the letters that he wrote, and this is one that we don't have. But then he goes on in this letter to the Colossians, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So Paul's letter to the Colossians was probably written about 30 years before John's letter, written from Patmos. But we know that Paul had written to the Laodiceans and he'd sent messages to the Laodiceans. But the question is, had the rot already set in At Laodicea at the time of Paul, we don't know. But we do know that there's about a 30-year difference between Paul's letter and what John is writing to them now in Revelation. So back to our passage that we read, Revelation chapter 3, the first part of verse 14, as the letter opens. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen. Let's stop for a moment. The words from the Amen or Amen, whichever way you want to uh, pronounce it, it is very common to us and we do use it a lot and maybe we don't really think about it. But the words of Amen are words of truth. So if what is said is not true, then they are not the words that should be attached to it. In other words, if anything... is said is not true then the amen cannot be attached to them they need to be the words of truth I want us to go into the Old Testament for a moment I want us to go to the book of Nehemiah it's about Ezra and just a little bit of background here and I want you to picture this Ezra is surrounded by the learned men of his day The gathered all there, with them, all who have the ability to understand. So what we've got is Ezra, the learned men around him, and then around them, everybody and anybody who has the ability to understand. Ezra is standing on a platform so that everybody could see and hear him. And what he does is he reads the book of the law out loud. It's read publicly, and it's read from daybreak to noon, and the result was that the people who were listening believed that they were hearing the true words of God. The result being this, and we read this in Nehemiah 8 verse 6. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, amen. And they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Let's go back to Paul. Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He tells them that if they pray or sing in a way that people do not understand, then how can they expect those people at the end of it to say, Amen? They can't because they don't understand what's being said. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 16 to 17, Paul said, Otherwise, when you are praising God in the Spirit, how can someone else who is now put in a position of an inquirer say, Amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. You see, by saying Amen assumes that you understand and are aware that what you are hearing, you are affirming as being true. This means that when we say Amen to the truth that we have heard, then it is also an acknowledgement of the truth and an acknowledgement that will bring praise to God. The words of the Amen are true words. God, who is himself, truth. And the one who is, when we come to the second part of verse 14 of chapter 3, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And we know that the person speaking here is Jesus. So with that in mind, let's go um, to John's gospel. It's really good that we can turn to these passages, passages that we are familiar with, but we need to understand the importance of them and the importance of what's being said here in Revelation. You see, John 1, verse 1 to 3, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. See, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Let's continue in John 1 and go down to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You get that? Full of grace and truth. And then we move down a few verses to verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, I mention this because the phrase the Lamb of God is something else that we will look out for as we go through the book of Revelation because we will hear it mentioned quite a few times. But back for this evening, back to the church at Laodicea, A church who need to be prepared for the truth that the words that they are about to hear are true. So let's look at verse 15 and 16. And this is the Lord speaking. This is Jesus speaking to them. He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. First of all, this is the truth. This is the truth that the Lord knows all about them. And this is the truth of what he thinks about them. Now, in this verse, it's not an idle threat. This is a consequence of their behavior. This is also an illustration of something that they would understand in a very practical way. You know, when we look at the history of the city of Laodicea, their water came to them by way of an aqueduct. It was then fed by a network of pipes, often arriving in the city in a state of being scaly and lukewarm. And they know that when this water arrived in that state, if they drank it, they would immediately spit it out. They knew this, they lived with this. They understood what Jesus was saying. You see, the water, it's undrinkable and it's unthinkable that in that state it would be tolerable. And they would know all about that. Well, in this short passage, we now move from water to wealth. So we go to verse 17. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. You see, material, they seem to have all that they thought they needed. This is the people in the church at Laodicea. It was a prosperous place to live. And they had, apparently now, a facade of Christianity that had reached the point that they seemed to be going through the motions, leading them, not even being able to recognize the spiritual state that they were in. These are strong words. Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. This is a powerful, four-pronged attack on their present condition. So we move now in our passage from, wealth to health. In a city famous for its warm clothes and medical products, such as ointment for the eyes. Spiritually they were in a state of denial. They couldn't see how far away they had moved from the gospel. Is this because of the pride that they have in themselves, bringing them to a point where they've decided that they they no longer need the Lord to guide them? Have they reduced the distinction that they have or had in Christ to the point where he cannot be seen in them and that they do not see him in themselves? The people here, are listening to the words of truth from the true God. And you know, sometimes the truth hurts. Their true thoughts and attitudes are being exposed. Their hearts have grown not cold, but tepid. This is probably as close as you can get to a couldn't care less attitude. Keeping one foot in one thing and... The other fourteen, and another thing, putting themselves in a position of losing their footing altogether. When I was looking at this, I was reminded of a passage from James. I'll just share a few verses to you from that passage. It's James chapter 1 and it's verse 6 through to 8. And this is what James says to the people of his day. <laughs> but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You see, these people were a little bit like that. They were neither one thing nor the other. They were lukewarm. And in that state, they should not expect to receive anything. You know, we... We read in Hebrews, another well-known verse, actually. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You'll hear Laodicea. Their thoughts and their attitudes of the heart are being judged. And we go to 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, again speaking about the word of God, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful, and this is it, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And all this is with a view to forgiveness and reconciliation. So we come to verse 18, and this is what the Lord says to them after the things that he's just said to them. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. This is what they're being offered. You know, this is in contrast to what the Lord said to the church at Sardis. The church at Sardis has its faults, but at least they had people there who were staying faithful. We read about this in chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. And this, as I said, was to the church at Sardis. He said to them, You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. In other words, what the Lord is saying to the church here at Laodicea is cover your shame with robes of righteousness, open your eyes, eyes that have been blinded by the things of this world. Verse 19 of chapter 3. This is what the Lord says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and Repent. You see, this is God's grace. The Lord loves these people. They need to be told. They need to be taught. They need to be disciplined in order to be directed. They need to repent if they want to be rescued. And here is the call from the Lord in verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. I think we need to stop for a moment and consider this. This is the passage in which this well-known verse appears, and we need to realize and view it in context. You see, this is a call to the believer, a call to the believer to be ready for when Jesus returns. These people weren't ready. They weren't even looking towards the time of Jesus' return. Listen to what Jesus said to the believers in Luke chapter 12, a couple of verses, verse 35 and 36. Now this is the essence of what is being said here. This is the essence of what is being said in Revelation Luke 12, 35-36 Be dressed, ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Something for us to think about there. Revelation 3, verse 21 To the one who is victorious I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. You know, we're going to hear more about the throne. As we go through the book of Revelation, John mentions it. I think it's around about 38 times. We're going to hear it again. Well, let's just finish this evening which, with the way the other letters to these seven churches have finished. Verse 22 of chapter 3. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And you know, this was a message to those churches, but you know, we've been listening to these words. We have ears, and we are hearing what has been said. So this message is for us today. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for the truth that we're looking at here. We thank you that it is the truth. And because of that, we can confidently add our amens to it. As we say, Amen.